This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. This is TL Talk Radio, Season 1, Episode 10. Welcome to TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy-Hetton and Randy Zickenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Zickenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funy-Hetton. Hello, Randy. How are you? Good evening, Lynn. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. It's uh, it's Tuesday. It seems like Monday because we had off yesterday, uh, but I'm pretty energized and excited. Had a good day at work today and uh, excited about our podcast for this evening. Definitely. So today uh, we're going to shift from our instructional leadership focus to an operational leadership one and talk about fair educational funding um, and a group of educators called the Circuit Riders. Uh, five professional organizations have organized nine former superintendents and two present serving school board members to work with their membership, the local educational leaders, including all of us, in all 26 intermediate units in Pennsylvania. The Circuit Writer's goal is to provide information, resources, and strategies to help engage educational leaders such as ourselves and our listeners in the efforts for fair, consistent, predictable, sustainable, and equitable funding for public education. Tonight, we're joined by a special guest, Dr. Pat Mulroy, the Circuit Writer for IU's 17, 19, and 29. Hi, Pat. Thanks for joining us. It was great to see you last week at hey. PASD. And we're looking forward to talking with you tonight. Hey, Lynn. Sorry. Um, it was great to see you guys, too. And uh, Randy, I certainly am really thankful that, you know, we got to talk a little bit about um, TL Talk Radio. And I'm really excited to be here tonight. Um, I know you guys are talking about this as operational leadership, but from my perspective, everything is really about instructional leadership because the dollars flow, wherever the dollars flow, they impact kids. And so we're always hoping that every kid has a fair chance. And um, that's part of the reason I got involved with the circuit riders, because I really felt like education funding was something that uh, we all need to take part in, even if we're a curriculum director or building level administrator. It really does impact everybody right down to your PTOs, parents and kids. Well, excellent. We're, we are really glad to have you here tonight. And it was uh, it's interesting to over the last couple months hear about this group and about this initiative. And I'm personally uh, really looking forward to the conversation this evening and learning some new things. So to start out with, what's the history of uh, educational funding in Pennsylvania? And why are we at this particular point where we have, you know, what most people would probably call a crisis? Well, Randy, except for a three-year period from 2008 to 2011, Pennsylvania has not consistently 
applied a funding formula and that was discontinued in about 1993. So I'm just going to take you back briefly uh, through uh, Pennsylvania education funding. Sure. Um, it's a pretty short history. Um, right now we don't have a formula. It used to be a formula um, and later we enacted a formula with adequacy targets and now we have um, basic education funding determined annually using varieties of criteria as you all know with a variety of results. So in 1966, there was a formula and it was initiated by Act 580 and the law transitioned funding based on teaching units to a formula based on district wealth, so aid ratio, times the actual instructional expenses per weighted average daily membership. You remember Wadhams back in school mm -hmm. finance. Um, okay, so there was also some additional state support based on poverty at this time in 1966 density or sparsity, homebound instruction and vocational education. So additionally, Act 580 set the level of state support. Okay, this is where the 50% reimbursement came in. The 50% came in 1966. Everybody talks about the 50%. So this funding framework was in place until 1983. So that was the very first piece of education funding in Pennsylvania. In 1983, there was the Equalized Subsidy for Basic Education, ESPE. Act 31. And in SB, the formula had aid ratio, so the factor for educational expenses, that was fee, times WADM, the weighted average daily membership. The fee at the time, the factor for educational expense, was set at $1,650. And additional funding by an economic supplement that was used for poverty, local tax effort, and population per square mile were factors. So at that time, in 1983, the legislature created ESBE, and they removed the 50% state share and added the minimum annual increase of 2%, which you guys, I'm not sure you're younger than me, but you might remember, um, you know, that 50% was really big for those of us who were working through the 80s. We thought that was really something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so when that went away in 91 and they added that 2%, you know, that fifth, that that's always been one of those big talking points, the 50%. Mm -hmm. So that SB formula then determined our state funding with that 2% increase. Okay. We lost the 50% there in the eighties and we got a 2% increase every year, which is probably kind of where the hold harmless has come from so that you can have a certain expectation. Okay. And then since 1991 and 92 hold harmless, um, gave people the level of funding from the previous year plus supplemental funding. Mm -hmm. So now we don't have um, those standard formulas aid ratio for your educational expenses and your WADM, uh, you know, and there's not supplements at this time that are set for poverty, local tax effort, and population. Um, now we're in, you know, we're in a situation where um, you basically get what you got before and then if there's supplemental funding and however it's doled out. Um, so there was that brief period of time from 2008 to 2010 where Act 114 of 2006 gave us a costing out study. And during that time, there were adjustment factors for students and districts. And the student adjustments that were added 
um, per student cost weights above the base cost that we were all being given. Um, there was one for poverty. There was one for English language learners, which varied by district size. And then there were district adjustments for size, enrollment over time, and regional cost of living differences. So those came out of the costing out study. And in some of those documents I shared with you that you can share with your listeners, uh, there are several studies done in a lot of states, and Pennsylvania was one of them, uh, where there were um, really research-based studies done on varieties of ways to have fair funding occur uh, in states. And lots of them have uh, already enacted them, Florida, Maryland, in Colorado uh, have been leaders in the research and continuing uh, continuing that. So that kind of gives you a basic overview of where Pennsylvania education funding is. And today, you know, sitting here and talking to you, obviously we are in quite a different scenario than we were when we had a set funding formula early on where people could predict what they were going to have based on you know, their population. They knew what their real estate value was. They knew what their poverty level was. So there were a lot of things that people could predict at least in order to plan. Um, and you both know very well that that's just not the case right now. You know, you can plan out your school year. And, you know, after the budget is set, usually far after you've had to approve it at the school board level, you know, you're going back and scrambling and saying, can I really put this mm -hmm. program in for kids or can I really keep this teacher? And, uh, you know, and the, and the choices are just what I think are devastating to kids um, and the educational programs that we have today. So, so, it so sounds, that's a little primer. Yeah, it sounds like Pennsylvania is uh, really behind uh, where we should be. And uh, like you said, it's really districts have had to make some some really hard choices because of this lack of a funding formula that we have and, and that this is a direction that uh, the coalition really wants to make a difference in. Uh, what's the timeline? What, what's the what's the sort of the time we we hope to have something here? Well, you know, for most people, it seems like as we've gone out into um, districts and started to share, the timeline really uh, is a, we have a two-year timeline to really have a conversation around this, but, you know, layered on top of it. And I think, you know, Lynn, you had been talking to me earlier a little bit about, you know, my work as a circuit rider and sharing this message. And in doing so, there's like kind of a twofold uh, piece to it. One, we have this fair funding campaign, which is a product of the William Penn Foundation, you know, for us to get out and advocate for this fair, sustainable funding formula. And then you also have the Basic Education Commission that was legislated to take a look at fair funding last April. And that's being headed up. And I believe I also have that um, I provided you with the mm -hmm. web address so you can kind of take mm -hmm. a look at that. So so really the fair funding campaign has what we're doing has a two year um, life cycle in terms of funding and being out there and really creating grassroots advocacy. What I'm doing right now 
as a circuit rider is I'm going out and I'm trying to spread the message that we need a fair funding formula. I'm not going out and asking anybody to advocate for anything in particular at this point. I'm just asking them to pay attention, talk to their legislators, talk to the different stakeholders in schools and let them know that the funding formula or the lack of a funding formula is really hurting our kids. And as the um, commission is taking testimony all across the state, um, what we're finding out is that even districts that are in the high socioeconomic status um, and, you know, they'll say we won't even take funding because we know we have this high tax base, we get good funding, you know, we have industry, we have these things, you know, we want to make sure all, all kids are are going to be served. And some of those, you know, really higher ranking districts, you know, the Radners, um, you know, some of them out on the main line in, in Philadelphia, they're jumping on board and saying, we want to join because we really believe that every child, regardless of their zip code, deserves a quality education. And so, so that's kind of been the fun part of this. So there's these two phases. There's the phase now where we're really, um, as circuit riders, our job is to let school folks and school leaders know that there is this process out there and we want people to start talking to their legislators and their state senators, you know, talking to local politicians, talking to parent groups, talking to business groups. Um, as you take a look at the website for the campaign for fair funding, you can see that there's tons of partners across a variety of what would be seemingly, uh, uncompatible groups of people who are coming to the table because they really all do believe that the children are our future and that, you know, if we have nothing else in common, we have our kids in common and that, you know, as a nation and a community and a, and a state, we want all of our kids to really have the education they deserve so that they can go out and be productive and that um, they can, you know, make good in our society. So if I understand it correctly, the circuit riders that you're involved with is an really an advocacy group going out there trying to get people interested in, and involved in this topic, whereas the commission is the body that's actually going to put forth some sort of recommendation, uh, I think you said, in a two-year period. Is that a pretty yeah, correct actually, interpretation? Yeah. That's very correct interpretation, and I probably didn't state it correctly. The commission ends in June. The commission is required to make a report in June. And they will make their recommendation at that time. Now, what the commission recommends will go to the full legislature. And that's really why it's so important for everybody to get out there and talk to their own legislators. So when this formula or this new funding mechanism comes out in June or is recommended by this commission, that folks from varieties of different places are able to speak you know, with some intelligence and say why or why it would not be good for the constituents of their particular district. So, Pat, you've certainly given us a lot to think about and certainly have provided some good reasons why we need to get involved as as leaders and certainly as instructional leaders. And um, you've shared with us the basic of the coalition and, and what we're trying to do and, and what the commission is going to do. How can we get involved? What, what activities are planned? What are some ways that we can uh, contribute and, and spread the word? Well, Lynn, I have to tell you, you and Randy are doing one of them right now. You know, you're sitting here talking to me and you're going to get it out to folks who are also educational leaders who hopefully will listen in and say, wow, I can do that. And one of the things that we're trying to do is we're trying to get folks like you uh, 
when you have captive audiences, your PTA, your PTO meetings, those types of things, um, get out to your chamber of commerce and let them know that there's a fair funding campaign and that there there are going to be some impact down the road. So you can let businesses know. Uh, folks can join on. You know, so if you're out there and you're talking to a local business person who's really um, engaged in the education process and, and understands and partners with you or your district, uh, they would be a great person to, you know, to get engaged and to let their legislators know how mu- how important education is for them. So there's there's lots of different ways. Like right now, the commission hearings are the basic avenue for people to give testimony and talk about how the fair funding uh, campaign would work for them. But in general, what we're really asking people to do is to hold and host events. Some some areas have held um, legislative breakfasts. Um, you know, others have spoken at different events, school board meetings, uh, you know, other school events that are that are coming around so that they make people aware of the funding campaign. And is there a Twitter chat for fair funding? There is. You can. There is a Twitter chat um, on the last Tuesday of the month of every month. And what you do is you go to hashtag fair funding PA and you join that hashtag at eight o'clock uh, on the last Tuesday of every month, and you can join in the chitter, ah, Twitter chat. Um, and there's also an example of a Twitter chat available that you can take out of uh, that Dropbox folder that I gave you some documents in, and you could post that so folks could kind of get an idea. Um, if they forget what the hashtag is, it's in there. It's um, hashtag Fair Funding PA, and they've been a lot of fun. We've uh, only just started them. If you can just imagine um, <laughs> a group of older superintendents um, learning new social media <laughs> and really having a great time with it. I love it. So, you know, clearly this commission uh, has been working, going around and having hearings, and the circuit riders are going around trying to uh, – get educational leaders, school boards involved in, you know, getting involved in this issue. Uh, and you've explained some of the, you know, effects and impact that, that the current funding formula has had on districts and on students. So, you know, what are the short-term, long-term impacts if the system doesn't change and if people don't get involved? And you know, sort of what's the dark side of this if we just sort of sit back and let things happen? Um, and and sort of like inspire us here to really get involved in in, in this movement, oh, Randy. That is a great question. Um, you know, because I believe there's just no more important thing that we can do than get involved right now. Um, as I stated, you know, in an earlier question, I think you know, um, there's there's been a lot of angst, you know, um, about this budget by chance, you know, as we don't know, and it goes to the legislator and it comes back. You know, we also talked about that history of education funding. And, you know, a lot of leaders don't remember a time when we did receive consistable, predictable funding. You know, 22 years ago was the last time there was any predictable funding at all. So, yes, it's really important that everybody gets involved. And, and I think one of the one of the most impactful groups of people uh, in our communities is the educators. And 
you know, the kids looked up to you, the families look up to you, business leaders look up to you. And I think it's really important um, that they understand why. Uh, in October, Dr. Tim Schramm from Solanco and Dr. William Hartens from Penn State gave a talk about this very issue about why it is so dire. And Ultimately, state revenues don't match projected expenditures, and the gap between revenues and expenditures is predicted to be 9% by 2017. So districts who don't receive additional assistance from the state will have to make large cups in programs that impact students. So if you think about this right now on the revenue side, we have local real estate taxes, we have earned income tax, and we have the state basic education funding, which right now is very unpredictable. On the expenditure side, we have PEASERS, okay, which isn't going to slow down and level off until 2017. We have charter school tuition. We have teacher and administrator salaries, support staff, <clears throat> bus drivers, you know, all the things we do. We have health care costs, all those things right there. And if that isn't enough... In 1993, when all this funding formula went away, other costs like transportation. Now that's in what do they call it? Block grant, grant block, funding. Block grant, yes. Yeah, so we have block grant for transportation. So the districts now pick up 57 percent. The mm -hmm. district effort generally is about 57 percent. Social Security, another one, 47 percent district effort, and then special ed, even with. The commission that happened last year that came up with an alternative formula to try and even things out. Districts are still paying more for special ed. So there's a lot of things there. So by 2017, more than half the districts in Pennsylvania will face shortfall without any change. And that's a really scary, scary thought. I don't know if you saw in the paper, but uh, the Department of Ed uh, just uh, named a handler for York. So they're in the yes. process of mm -hmm. our receiver. Um, so, you know, so they're in the process of, of looking at how that district is going to be managed. And, you know, and oftentimes it is no fault of the district or, or the administration or the school boards at this point, you know, there is just no way to predict what your costs are going to be. You could have one catastrophe in your district, you know, one building that falls apart. You could have, you know, one special needs student who's super high need. You could have one bad thing mm -hmm. happen and, you know, and your budget's off. And, you know, there there's a lot of conversation about, you know, you can go in and you can use your fund balance, but, you know, eventually that runs out and that's just not you know, it's not the kind of practice that we would encourage no. um, in, a, in an economic sense. Nobody's going to tell somebody, well, go empty out your bank account to pay your daily bills. Mm -hmm. That's just not good practice. So, you know, there are there is, like I said before, a ton of research out there about what other states have done. Um, our own costing out study back that was implemented in 2008 was a product of that. And one of the things that I think is super, super important and one of the other reasons that people need to talk to their legislators, they need to get to know them on a first name basis like Ron Cal talked about the other day at PASCD, uh, because really what has to happen is you put a fair funding formula into practice, but you also have to follow it up with a legislative revisit. You have to go back and make sure it's working. You can't just sit it out there and say, this is going to work forever and ever. It may not. 
you know, you guys know technology changes the way things mm-hmm. go. There are way to lower costs of how we deliver effective instruction. There are things that we can do um, to make things work. But I think it's really important that people get involved and they talk to the legislators and get involved because it's more than just a short-term fix. You know, we really have to be engaged so that it just doesn't become, you know, a political volleyball game where, you know, when we go from one, you know, one political party to another, you know, that the kids get bounced back and forth, like, you know, they're getting over the net back and forth, you know, and you never know if they're going to make it. This really needs to be a nonpartisan effort that we can advocate fully for kids. And when you say, you know, the, the local funding, when you went through all those those expenses and the high percentages that are basically on the local school district and the local taxpayer, it is the local taxpayer, regardless of party, that is mm-hmm. putting forward that funding. And it's just getting to the point where the buck is being passed to the local taxpayer and it's becoming more worse and worse and worse. And that's why we're in the situation that we're in and why things absolutely need to change and why we as school leaders not only need to rally each other as a group of school leaders, but also our school boards and also our communities and our citizens, our taxpayers, because regardless of party, they're going to ultimately be affected by this and and hopefully in a very positive way. And in the end, our students are the ones that are going to be positively affected by a change. I think you're absolutely right. I think in the long run, you know, as a state, we have a lot to be proud of. We have great schools. And I think, you know, from neighbor to neighbor, and I've worked with both of you on, you know, a number of different initiatives where we try to collaborate. And so I think that that spirit of collaboration, if we could just kind of just keep passing it on, keep passing it on, you know, it's all good stuff. Yeah, all good. (laughs) Well, speaking of good, it's been great having you here, Pat. Thank you very much for uh, offering to sit in on this conversation and and to share your expertise and knowledge as a circuit writer. I know I learned a lot and I feel inspired to uh, rally my fellow leaders, my school board and and our citizens in our small little school district to really get involved in this topic. And uh, we'll be posting uh, in the show notes, we'll be posting a lot of the resources uh, and the links that Pat's shared uh, through the conversation this evening. Uh, so now it's time for you, our listeners, to join in the conversation. And each episode, we leave you with a question or two to think about with the idea of provoking this conversation. Uh, And so this week's our question around fair funding, two questions actually. How has your district and students been impacted by the current system of funding in Pennsylvania? You know, we talked about sort of the history of funding and, and the crisis point that we're at. So share with us, how has your district and your students been affected by the current system? And the second question, what has been the impact of current funding formula in your district? For example, have you had uh, programs cut or have you had staff cut or some other sort of impact? We'd love to hear um, from you firsthand and, and what, what's been the impact of, of the system that we've been talking about. You can visit our blog at tltalkradio.org to check out the show notes and the resources from Pat and leave a comment or a voicemail. And you can use the hashtag tltalkradio and also the fair funding hashtag. And I think there's fair funding PA as well. Uh, and you can use those on Twitter. So you can also uh, ask us a question on the blog or suggest an idea or a topic for a future episode. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can click on the red send voicemail button on the right side of the screen and leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. 
And uh, lastly, we are available on iTunes. And if anybody would like to leave a review, we would greatly appreciate that. So uh, thanks again, Pat. Thanks, Lynn. And uh, we look forward to another engaging topic next time on TL Talk Radio. Thanks, Pat. Good night. Thanks. Good night. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.